What's up, everybody? This is Ryan Staley, and you are listening to the Sales and Marketing Built Freedom Podcast, where we share with you the underground ninja skills and tactics the top sales and marketing leaders are using to create financial and lifestyle freedom. And the question that everybody is asking is, how do I create financial and lifestyle freedom for me? That is the question, and this show is the answer. Welcome, everybody. This is Ryan Staley. I'm your host of the Sales and Marketing Build Freedom Podcast. I have a very special guest today. I have Aaron Bell. Aaron is the Director of Enterprise Sales at Degree. She's also in the top 10 of the LinkedIn Top 100 Sales Stars, 10 years of B2B and B2C sales experience, and has not just traveled all over the U.S., but all over the world. So super excited to hear about your journey today, Aaron. Welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here, Ryan. Yeah, I'm excited to have you. We had we, we tried to roll last week. We had a little issue. Literally, power went out in the middle of this. So I hope you guys get everything you need here. I'm really excited uh, to be here with Aaron. So Aaron, why don't you give everybody a little bit more in-depth background than kind of what I went through about yourself. So you have a really interesting journey, and that's that's what I love about meeting people like you or being on, having people like you on the show, all these different journeys that people have taken to get here. So, so walk us through that real quick. Yeah, definitely. So I say that my uh, career journey has been a crazy straw. So it's been a little bit all over the place. Um, but, you know, as a salesperson, it's always been up to me to sort of frame it in a way that makes sense to people, right? Um, so I started off graduating in 2009 during an economic recession and um, had to get creative. I worked full time in the last couple of years of, of school. Um, where I took my classes on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and then I waitressed five days a week. So I really dug into that um, portion of my experience when I first graduated, and that helped me, you know, live in Austin, Texas, which was an amazing tech hub. Um, and within that, I was able to get into, you know, management positions. I started a nonprofit. I always looked for ways to do things outside of my day job, quote unquote, um, mm-hmm. that would allow me to build skills that would make me marketable um, as the sort of employment um, opportunities started to become um, more prevalent as the economy started to turn around. So, um, and then at 27, sold all my stuff, moved overseas to Australia and lived in Australia and New Zealand for four years. And all of my life, I've just thought about ways that I could make the most out of life and do the things that I wanted to do. So I didn't look back one day and say, I regretted it. Or I was waiting for, you know, when I retired, because at this point, who knows when that will be, right? That's great. So you, you waitress or served for five days out of the week while you did school the other two. Yeah, that was that was me in college. Yep. It's pretty intense. I, I mean, I was in the food service industry. So how, because, and I think there's a lot rooted in there, especially if, if you're serving people, so many transferable skills to sales. So what, what did you, or is there anything that you thought just totally shaped kind of your path to sales from that experience? So I was extremely shy in high school. I, um, to the point where people like didn't even had probably hadn't heard my voice that I went to school with. Right. Um, so what waitressing did for me was it helped me find my voice and it also helped me to find that I could influence people, um, just with the tonality and, and the way that I said things and, 
it's funny when I was in Australia, I had some British friends and we had, you know, we waitressed together over there and they said, I love hearing you tell people the specials because the passion in your voice comes across. And I think that it really was like a performance in a way, um, you know, how to upsell and the fact that I had to kind of look after my own business. These are my tables for the night. These are, you know, the number of covers I have. Um, these are the number of turnarounds I'm going to have on those tables. How do I get the maximum value um, out of that time? And that really taught me that if I could do $1,500, you know, dollars in sales that night, that would equal X amount of tips. If I could do 2000 and then all of a sudden I could influence that. So that was a huge um, portion of, you know, the salesperson I am today. Yeah. Well, I would say that's a really mature way of looking at it. And it's smart too. You're like, Hey, I'm going to get, 15, 20% plus on every tip. So the more I ups, so what, because I see that all the time. I, I get upsold all the time and I can like, smell it a mile away. So what was the number one secret go-to upsell across your, your whole waitressing experience, your serving experience? Oh, gosh, I think for me, um, it probably went back to like my love of wine. So I could really talk to people um, even though I didn't, I don't have the most sophisticated palate by any means. And I'm not, you know, certainly not a sommelier or whatever, however you say that word, I can't even say it. But um, I think, again, just kind of being passionate about it and being able to match that to food for me was like a key to upselling, right? So it wasn't just, hey, can I get um, the house red? It was like, oh my God, have you heard about this bottle? And then tell a story behind it. It's from this area. And, and, and I know I've met the, you know, the vintners and they're incredible people. And then all of a sudden you get people hooked by telling that story, which is something that again today in sales telling stories all of a sudden it puts it into context and it connects people on an emotional level to what you're trying to sell to them so oh yeah there's there's been tons of studies about that about how people remember stories exponentially more than like any other thing that you can do just like you're saying because it's got that emotional attachment to it so yeah. uh, it's, that's strong so so speaking of that what was it like emotionally moving halfway or all the way across the world and living in Australia for four years. I mean, what was that journey like emotionally? Because that's a lot of people I don't think would have the, I should say the, not the ability to emotionally do that, but the ability to even, I don't want to say the guts, but just that's kind of a, a big risk in people's lives. So, so talk about that a little bit. It was like emotionally. So I will say for myself, um, Doing big moves like that has never been scary for me. The scarier thing for me, um, especially in my 20s, was staying in one place. Um, so <laughs> probably the opposite. But in terms of emotions, when I first moved to Australia, um, I was so happy. I literally could have like a bad day. I could have bad customer interactions and I would still smile just because I was in a new place and it was just this sense of newness around me that really excited me. So that was me like first four months, just, um, I say bright eyed and bushy tailed is probably how you would describe me. Um, but there was also, you know, the emotional side of it where I was, you know, missing my family or I felt like I was going to, you know, miss out on friendships and things that were happening back home while I was away. And all of those things did happen. Um, but I have such a strong sense of adventure within myself that I can kind of compartmentalize that. I would say the hard parts came later, you know, in like year three and year four, where I'm like, cool, now I've done this a couple of times. I've started over. I've, I moved to the West Coast and then I moved to Melbourne and then I moved to New Zealand. And it was always kind of this starting over. 
And as you get older, that's exciting, but it can also be a little bit daunting as well. Um, and there was a change in me that said, maybe now I'm ready to go back to the US, dig in and travel in a different way, like still get that sense of adventure, but in like a two week stint rather than like finding a new job and finding a new apartment and finding new friends and have it be so overwhelming. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's, I've always wanted to go to Australia and New Zealand, so I'm a little jealous. That, that was one of the places where I was looking at going on my honeymoon like over a decade ago. We still haven't gotten there yet. So, so what would you say? You mentioned adventure. So tell me about like, what is the number one coolest adventure, the top adventure you've ever been on? Ooh, um, I could tell two. Um, one is doing a visa run is what they call it over and in Australia where you need to leave the country and then come back into it in order to apply for a new visa. So um, that was me going to Indonesia by myself. And that was my first time um, in Southeast Asia. It was my first time really traveling out of like an English speaking country completely by myself. Um, and I remember, you know, as they would say in Australia, rocking up to check in for my flight. And they were like, Hmm, you have a one-way ticket, you know, you need, uh, you're not going to be let into that country. So I had to buy um, a return flight, not knowing what date that would be needle in a haystack um, while I was in line. And it ended up turning out really well. It was an incredible adventure. Um, and then the second one I will talk about is living in New Zealand. I was a travel agent. And so my life was an adventure. It was hey, Aaron, we really want you to try out this bungee jump. We know you hate heights. We're going to bribe you with a free wine tour to see if we can get you over there because we want you to be able to like talk through the experience um, with the clients that you book on that. So so they would use you as like a, not a test dummy because that has negative connotations, but they would basically have you test it out so that they could sell it more from an experience perspective, I assume not from a safety perspective, right? <laughs> Oh my God, that'd be horrible if it was safety. Um, yeah, no, it was definitely, I mean, the, the best way to sell something would be for you to do it yourself. So constantly different vendors or different suppliers would be like, hey, come and do this activity. And then we know all of a sudden, you know, I think scale, sales would like skyrocket for the next month after you've done it. Cause it's like, hey, Ryan, like, I know you love adventure. Um, you know, picture this, you're like on top of a gorgeous mountain and you're, you know, walking through this line and you see like, the glaciers around you and like the rainforest and all of a sudden the stories that you're able to tell, like you really are able to put that person um, in there and they're like, Oh yeah, no, no doubt. Like how much does that cost or anything like that? It's like, I need to have that experience. That's smart. I mean, it totally makes sense. It's kind of like back in the day when they used to give you like a free sample at the mall or something like that, of like the amazing candy that you just get sucked into the place. So it's, I think that's pretty sweet, but that, that aligns with, exactly what you said in like the adventure you're like yeah i love it let me have at it you know yeah. so that's pretty cool so when did you make the shift then into b2b sales because i you know it sounds like you're in b2c sales before so what, when when did that shift happen and what was the the reason for what was the catalyst for that yes so again it was kind of a crazy straw so um Going back to my time in Austin, I had um, the uh, fortunate experience of working for an e-commerce company called buildassign.com. And I 
um, kind of bridged the gap. I had started my own nonprofit and was able to work for a for-profit company, but in their giving program. So I was tasked with bringing on nonprofit partners and supporting their signage. And um, so that was my first foray into B2B sales. And it was really, I loved it so much. Like I had so many connections to incredible nonprofits doing incredible work and then being able to support their fundraising efforts through the signage that we sold. Um, and then when I was in Australia, um, I always had like two jobs when I was like traveling just to kind of, you know, supplement and to be able to do all these amazing things. So while I was managing a barbecue restaurant over there, building out the catering sales program, I also worked for an email marketing app that had like four people in it. So I was working for the founders, um, doing all of their business development, getting them meetings and, and then trying to make sales upon that. So Again, all of these things either happened alongside of each other or I dipped my toes back and forth into each. Okay. So how long ago was that then when you started in that space? Yeah. So Build Design was 2012, I believe, is when I worked for them. So um, about eight years ago, Syndicate was 2014. Um, but I would say coming back into the U.S. is where I like officially was like, B2B salesperson, account executive, um, you know, with a consistent quota and not necessarily working um, in more of a startup environment. Okay, I get you. So, yeah, I mean, it, have you, so you said you always do things kind of parallel. Like, how many hours would you work doing that? Yeah, I was probably putting in, you know, 60 plus hours consistently um, with like little breaks in between because I would travel to a new place. Um, but yeah, consistently doing that. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a lot of time to, to do it, but it's, it's truly foundational and you have to invest that much time into it. Like you start to accelerate at an exponential pace. I mean, there's so many people right now that want to work 40 hours and like, I don't get why I'm not a top producer, you know? So it's really interesting that you did that, even though you were traveling in a different place, because most people take that as like a vacation opportunity, but it sounds like you kind of leveled up. They're like, hey, I'm going to double down and, and work as much as I can, make ends meet while still having a lot of fun. So, so that's pretty cool. That's my life philosophy. <laughs> What's that? That's my life philosophy. Uh, how to enjoy myself while still like leveling up professionally. So, yeah, I mean, so that brings me to the next question. In terms of like leveling up, what would you say is like, your ninja skill that you learned along the way because you have like we, i've talked before and, and i interviewed dale and dale has an experience of going from a coder to an svp of sales right so you're going from like a server to director of enterprise sales which is you know, a great journey within itself and then going all over the world to check out these different places so what would you say along that way as a result of that background what kind of ninja skills have you gotten that you think are like so critical for you being successful Something that I've been learning a lot about, and I do think that this is a part of who I am, it's, it's in my DNA or it's how I've come to be, is my learning agility. And I think that that is like the number one skill for anyone to, to bring it back to skills um, for anyone, like any employee, any company hiring somebody, like look at their ability to have that as a skill. Um, and what that consists of is for me, a lot of curiosity. It's being curious and, and having that hunger and having that consistency. So my ninja skill, I would say is life hacking. So life hacking my way into 
opportunities to get in front of people, to ask them questions and to learn from them on what helped them in, in the best way. And not only that, but getting lots of data points. So I'm not just looking to like a few people, I'm looking to multiple people. So even if you look at like who's mentoring me right now, I think I have like an Avengers team of five people and they all are get, bringing me different perspectives and I'm able to then um, utilize my critical thinking skills to say, okay, let me test it in these different ways that are gonna drive more data to say what's gonna work best in my role or who I am. So I think having sort of that type of mind has really helped me be uh, the professional that I am today. That's great. So how, how much time do you spend with, with mentors in terms of, you say you have like five people, yeah. how much time do you spend on a weekly basis devoted to that? So different channels and how I communicate with them. So for some of them, I'm meeting like every few weeks and it's just an hour on a Friday where we're able to like digest. They give me an idea of like, here's a book I think that would be really helpful. Or this is, you know, what I'm talking and training my sales team on right now. Um, and then I have others who are probably peer mentors, I would say, maybe a little bit more on the same level as I am, where we do meet once a month, but I also have them on WhatsApp and we're like talking throughout the day and I'm, you know, sending them like email templates or not templates, but emails I want to send out and they're looking at them and we're chatting just a little bit more kind of in the flow of work. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's great. Yeah. It's funny. Larry, Larry Long was just talking about that as well. Larry Long. Um, you know, Larry? I love him. He's amazing. <laughs> He's a uh, positivity, like you can put positivity in a bottle and, and energy that's Larry for you. So great guy. So, he's in, he would be an incredible mentor to have because of that, because you need someone who can almost be your champion, right? Like give me that energy. I think there's a uh, Kendra who is part of the Rev Genius and Thursday night sales kind of like crew she's like that as well like her energy that she emits is incredible it's like having a cup of coffee <laughs> by the way have you read the book the third door have you ever heard about that book no but I'm writing it down what's it about so it well it made me think about what you're talking about you're saying you like the life hack your way um into things yeah. so the whole book's about this kid who right out of school decided that and I, I might some of the details might be a little fuzzy but basically, he life hacked his way into the Price is Right, being a, a, a contestant on the Price is Right. And then from there, he wrote a book, and he interviewed like Warren Buffett and Bill Gates. And he did it all through leveraging what he called like the third door, which is kind of what you're saying, the looking at different people and, and getting to know them and, and working and connecting to them. That's funny. I have a friend back in Austin who um, did something similar with the prices, right? And won double showcase. He won both. So oh, really? <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. That's so yeah. funny. Yeah, I think it's, I think the author is Alex Bannon is the, the guy's name. But um, so in light of that, that's what you said, you know, it, it just reminded me of that. It sounds something similar. So give me a specific example. Like, okay, so say someone's listening and the listener wants to understand like, okay, how do I execute on what Aaron's talking about? What's, what's the time where you've done it? And like gets, you don't even give the person's name, obviously, but give an example of like the outcome that you created as a result of that. Ooh, there's a lot of different roads I could go down with this. Um, 
I mean, kind of like what Alex Spanion said in his third door. I just kind of looked it up really quickly on Google where he's like, I hacked prices, right? And then I got this sailboat and then I, I sold it. And then that gave me the money to do that. Um, that's kind of what happened with me in Australia. Like I had a car uh, and I sold that car, which then gave me the capital to then go over to Australia and kind of have this incredible adventure. And being over in Australia and New Zealand, like if you think about it, their populations are so much smaller than um, that of the US. So all of a sudden me going over there with like the limited experience that I had in the all of a sudden made me a really um, attractive prospect to companies over there for hiring. So I was able to uh, I had a friend in Austin who had a friend who had started an email marketing app over in Melbourne. I was able to get in front of him, uh, become an intern. If I was able to prove myself in like two months time in Australia, you have to start paying an intern if they extend their time mm-hmm. beyond that. It's a, it's a law. So I did, I, I showed up, I put into practice the things that I had learned that they were blown away by. Um, and then all of a sudden they decided to take me on full time and that gave me valuable sort of insight into how startups work and how business works and sort of this like really like tech, tech style B2B sales. So that's one way I did it. That's kind of an extreme example. But the other example I'll get is earlier this year when I had a cold DM in my LinkedIn that said, hey, good companies are still hiring and they had this um, amazing position at Degreed. And I said, whew, I don't know, like, how could I ever do that? So what did I do? I looked to everyone on LinkedIn that I could find that was an enterprise salesperson who had been in the game for ages. And I started engaging with them. I started Mm -hmm. talking to them, getting one-on-ones on on the calendar. I became involved with Five on Friday, which is um, Francois and Amy Quick and Patrick Deeds thing where, you know, they have the one person on who does the pitch presentation. They have five people that give them um, advice um, and feedback from that. From there, I had, you know, my interview process was happening and I was supposed to do a presentation and a pitch for Degreed. I then found three enterprise people. I did my presentation pitch for them and got tons of feedback. So again, I was really kind of leaning into the resources I had available to me and and, uh, hacking my way through it because I had never sold such a robust product before and it was really intimidating but going and, and putting it in front of other people and saying, this is how I'm thinking about it. What are your thoughts? And getting their feedback, it was just, um, it was invaluable. Yeah, those are great stories. And, and simple, it's, it's probably like simple to do, but hard to execute on in the right way. So in, in terms of engaging, did you start engaging with their posts and, and what you saw them interacting on social media? Yeah. So the first thing that I did, and I will say that this is probably what I will contribute a lot of my success back to this year was randomly seeing a post on LinkedIn for five on Friday and just putting my name down as a participant, like going onto their website, signing up. Cause I thought it was such an incredible thing. I had never heard of it before. Like what you're pitching your product to other salespeople and getting feedback. Like that was so insane to me at the time, but so cool. I hadn't heard of that before. Um, I went on and just started developing those relationships with them, right? All of a sudden I had a direct connection to Francois and he's such an open person. Um, so I could DM him when I had questions and I knew that because he started five on Friday, he had a passion for helping people. Mm -hmm. So that if I went to him, Hey, I'm doing this pitch, 
well, it's, you know, it's, it's a little bit too soon for me to be able to go on five on Friday. He's like, oh, no, it's on a Sunday. Like put something on my calendar later today. Like let's, let's chat. And it was so cool. Right. It was like that perfect, like it was a magic time for LinkedIn, right. As COVID started. So there was always also that background. <laughs> yeah. But, but still, it's, I mean, I think I saw, I don't know if we talked about it one on one or you brought it up, but you, you said like, Hey, I've made some of the most amazing relationships online and you know because i know you, you were talking about how you're moving and how you're kind of stuck inside you know and uh i, I think that's a great story. that's a that's like a perfect example that i don't know i mean i i didn't start doing that until recently and it's it's amazing like if you execute on that and you're just genuine and, and i think that's really it's a great story so i'm happy for you congrats Thank you and and this is my thing because I do feel guilty when asking for things and, and not feeling like I can give something in return. I know there have been people in, in these guys' life or these people's lives that have done the same thing. And so all I can do is commit to paying it forward. So if somebody comes to me with an ask, I can help them out. You know, as I gain more knowledge and more experience and more skills in what I'm doing, I'm going to look to then pay that back. So... So um, was there, in, in terms of like this skill, like how did you learn this or did you see somebody else do, doing this and you emulated it or just kind of walk back into it yourself or how did you kind of go down this path? I think again, it goes back to one, my personality. I mean, I am, I've always been really curious. I've been a voracious reader. I've always sought to know more about life. Um, and it does go back to the days of me waitress thing, right? When I worked for the Four Seasons and all of my colleagues and I, we had all gone to college. We all wanted to use these degrees that we had paid a ton of money for. So we were always like scheming, like and talking about the things that we were learning because we were all really intelligent people and we all had really big ambitions and we wanted to figure out how to do something more than what we were doing waitressing. Um, and I think because of that, it was like, who do we know? Who can we introduce you to? How can we help you accomplish what? And these are all the conversations we'd have like when, you know, the night was slow. And I think that that's probably the foundation of why I am the way I am today. Um, in addition to that, at buildassign.com, I had an incredible manager and she was all about us sharing with each other our best practices, the things that were helping us, the things that were making us be successful. Like let's do a book club. Like let's, let's audit our time. And then let's share with each other how we're using that time to work smarter, not harder. Right. So it, she kind of fostered that environment. And then it was like, you know, back in the day of Google Hangouts and that's how we communicated. It was sharing articles and saying, Hey, I know that, you know, you cover this type of nonprofit. Like I know these guys are incredible. So I think that that was just a really great foundation that, really informed the rest of my life to make me this type of person. Yeah, no, that's a great story. And so what would you say is the moment in your life that you're like, I want more? Like, mm -hmm. like you said that, like, I think that's such, such a cool thing because so many people have that inside of them. But what was like the specific moment where like, I want something more? Um, I want to take things to the next level. Um, I don't think that there's one moment. I think there's continuous moments where I say that. So what, when I was waitressing, my I want more was very different from when I moved to New Zealand and I had my travel agent job because my I want more, 
how do I say this? I think that my high want, how I want more moments happen because of my imposter syndrome, because I always felt like I was maybe the underdog in a lot of ways because I had been shy in school because I did really well, but I was never like, you know, the valedictorian, but I wanted those things. I wanted to get to a level where I did feel like I got recognition for being the person that I was. Um, and that drove that. So yeah, when I was waitressing, it was, I want more, I want to be able to use this degree I spent $120,000 on. And then when I was at the travel agency, and all of a sudden, I realized the skills that I developed over the last five years, they weren't wasted. It wasn't that I had wasted my money. It was actually that I was doing something really incredible and developing these skills and becoming this person that I always wanted to be. And that's where the travel agency, that's where it really clicked. Because all of a sudden I became the top seller. All of a sudden I was bringing in over $4 million, you know, in revenue for that company. And people were looking at me and they're like, what is going on? Like, who is this person that came into this job? I mean, they didn't even think they wanted to hire me at first because, and then when I started performing, it felt really good and chasing numbers and overachieving. I mean, that gets really addicting, right? So yeah. Yeah. You might see the passion, but it gets me excited to talk about because it was a cool time. That's great. No, it, it's awesome to hear your journey. And I mean, I hope everybody listening is, has learned a lot because I think it's it's great. I didn't know about that about you before we started talking. So it was really cool and non-conventional with the way that kind of you navigated through everything and the way it's shaken out. And I think it could be a great great opportunity for others to learn and, and try and do the same because it's out there. Um, it just There's so many different ways to do it. So how... How can people find you? How can they learn more about you? Where do they find you online? Yeah, so connect with me on LinkedIn, definitely. I do put out um, a fair bit of content out there talking about my own experiences because that's really where my expertise lies is within my own experience. So um, Aaron, E-R-Y-N-N, Bell on LinkedIn, uh, definitely connect with me. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for being on today. It was awesome hearing your journey. And I went all across the world and from waitress to server, I should say, I keep saying waitress, I apologize, that's the incorrect term, just server to enterprise sales director and everything in between. So thank you for all your time today. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you for spending the time with me today. I know that time is one of the most valuable resources, so I truly honor and appreciate you coming along this journey with me. One of the things that I wanna ask you is if you really truly enjoyed this and know someone that this can make an impact on, please share this episode with them. If you're on a journey for financial and lifestyle freedom, it is always exponentially better if we're building a tribe with like-minded people who are on the same journey. In addition, I have an amazing PDF for you that could be career changing in terms of the content. Essentially what it is are the top 10 questions that every big customer is asking behind closed doors that no one is telling you about. I'll put a link for it in the show notes. So check it out. It's my free gift for you for being a part of this launch and being a part of this journey with me. And I hope to see you soon.